The Transmission, Episode 3, October 6, 2005. Aloha from the island. You have tuned into the transmission. This is a fan podcast devoted to ABC's hit series, Lost. My name is Jen. And I'm Ryan. And we're sending this Lost cast straight to you from Honolulu, Hawaii. Mahalo. Thanks for listening. Thanks indeed. A big mahalo to you and all Lost fans. You know, the, the Lost fan community is just uh, incredible, enthusiastic, and, and just great. Uh, you know, we were just a couple of dorky suburban folks chatting in our den, but you've really humbled us with your uh, encouragement and response to our little show. I, I know it's kind of tacky to get excited about stuff like this, but uh, Jen, you noticed that we made the iTunes Top 100 in their podcast directory this week. Yeah, I just uh, checked it on a lark. I, I didn't even think we'd made it, but I wanted to check and see. Yeah, and that's definitely uh, thanks to you, and that's that's awesome and, and, and kind of scary. Definitely scary. This is probably the biggest group of people I've ever spoken in front of. <laughs> if you're new to the show, this is how it's going to happen. We break up the show into into bite-sized chunks. We start with a basic rundown, a recap of what's gone on in the last episode. We'll talk about it. We'll examine it. We'll dig around in it. And we'll react to what we saw or, or didn't see. After that, it's You All Everybody, where we cover your theories, comments, and questions. After that, we'll peek behind the curtain of the forward cabin, where we'll touch briefly on any upcoming episodes, spill any production news or spoilers or anything else we've heard. Of course, we'll warn you uh, about the spoilers in case uh, you don't want to know. Um, though you probably already know this, I feel that I should say that the transmission is not affiliated in any way with Lost, its creators, or the producers, although we'd like to be. Um, we're just a Hawaii couple that love the show and love talking about it. And if you like to talk Lost too, um, then definitely speak up. We know there's a lot that we can learn from the hardcore Lost fans, so at any time you can call the Lost line at 808 356-0127 or send an email or audio file to us at lost at hawaii.com With that out of the way, let's get lost. This is show number three of the transmission for the episode of Lost that aired Wednesday, October 5th, 2005. It was the third episode of season number two, and it was entitled Orientation. And uh, what happened this week? A lot happened this week. Um, the episode was just jam-packed full of stuff. It's a lot to process. Basically, we're still following the Raft people and the Hatch people simultaneously. We're watching their stories kind of side by side, and we also had a flashback. Right. Let's start with uh, what's going on with the Raft folk, uh, Michael, Sawyer, and Jin. They've been taken prisoner um, they've been captured by, we don't really know who they are, but they're a great big mob of angry looking people. Right. And well, you know, Jin said the others, the others. So that's the current assumption. Right. They are thrown into a pit, um, uh, roughed up, thrown into a pit and they're, you know, they have enough presence of mind to try and figure out how they're going to get out of here. And they almost have a solution when, Another person is thrown in there with them, and this is Ana Lucia. Right, uh, airport bar lady who we saw in season one. She met Jack there, played by Michelle Rodriguez. 
She asks them who they are. They tell her, we were on flight A-15. We crashed. She reveals that she was on the plane also. Right, the back half of the plane, and that she woke up underwater and uh, had to make her way to the island that way. Right, she swam. Um, She signals to the mob, the angry mob, to let her up. She's a mole. Um, she's, She's with them. And she's just trying to get information out of out of um, the Sawyer group. Right, and uh, after she beats uh, Sawyer up a little, she takes his gun. So things have gotten a little bit worse for the uh, the Raft folks. Um, this week's flashback was a Locke flashback. Right, we see Locke shortly after his dad took off with his kidney. Mm-hmm. He is at um, it looks like a group therapy session where he meets somebody, a woman named Helen. Right. Helen's the same name as the woman that he was talking to on the phone in the first season, but that doesn't seem to be the same person. No, I'm I'm, I'm thinking not. But Locke and Helen develop a, a relationship. They develop a romantic relationship. But during this time, Locke still has a very hard time letting go of what's gone on with his father. Right. He keeps uh, stalking him, basically sitting outside of his house in his car. And, you know, I noticed that uh, his house changed, but the um, narrative explanation for that was that his dad moved perhaps to get away from him. But uh, no, Locke has Locke is still not letting him go. His uh, dad comes out and says, look, you know, you, you needed a father figure. I gave it to you. You you know, I needed a kidney. I got it. You know, you're not the first person to get conned. Get over it and uh, stop bugging me. Locke and Helen have been going out for six months, and we see them at a restaurant. Helen gives Locke the key to her apartment, but she gives it to him on one condition: she has to. He has to stop stalking his dad. He he's got to stop hanging outside. Um, one night, she follows Locke to his dad's house, and she confronts him. She tells him. Look, you you got to stop doing this. You got to make the leap of faith, you know. It's him or me. You got to choose, you know, living in the past or moving forward from here. And Locke is afraid. He doesn't want to. He doesn't know what's going to happen, so it's easier for him to dwell on the past, but she says, "No, you yeah, you've got to make the leap of faith with me." So that was an interesting flashback. I mean, we know now that Locke is a person of faith and believes in deeper meanings and fate. So uh, something still happens between him and uh, Helen, probably, that changes his outlook on the universe. Um, But that, of course, brings us back to the hatch. We pick up where we left off last time with Jack and Desmond and Locke um, in the computer room and Kate in the crawl space. Right. We see the same scene for the third time, actually. The same exact scene. Kate comes out of her crawl space and she spies a gun rack at the corner and she takes a gun and and she... Um, she cracks Desmond over the head and his gun goes off. And, of course, the bullet goes off and uh, whacks into the computer and it starts smoking. And and Desmond does not like this at all. He's he's pretty scared. He's, we're all going to die. Right. So uh, Jack and uh, Locke are saying, you know, what's this all about? What's this all about? And Desmond directs them to the orientation film. Right. It's um. It, it looks like a film to provide training for, for something. It, for whoever's in the hatch. Right, and, and it's the most explicit explanation of what the hatch is and what what who is in the hatch and what's going on. Right, it says uh, this is for the Dharma Initiative. Um, we see, again, the logo that we've seen on everything. It says three of six, though, so we know that uh, the hatch is only part of the story here. There's a lot of uh, explanations about experiments and uh, academic scientists studying things and specifically uh, dropping names like the Hanso Foundation and stuff like that. So basically what we're looking at, it's it's an academic study 
of electromagnetic fields. Um, Except that there's an incident, and uh, ever since then, there uh, the film explains that you need to enter the code into the computer every 108 minutes. And we learn from the video or at the film strip that um, it's a two-person job, so uh, they would take turns um, putting in the code to reset the timer. We do learn from Desmond that he was, in fact, on that uh, race around the world, but his ship, his boat, crashed on the island, and uh, as soon as he landed, he was greeted by a fella named... Uh, Kelvin. Right, Kelvin, and he takes him back. Kelvin takes Desmond back to the hatch and explains what's going on, what we see on the film, and uh, Desmond explains that for a while they took turns punching in the code, but eventually Kelvin died, and now it's just Desmond responsible for resetting this code every 108 minutes. Right, it's it, it's his job. It's solely his job, but Jack is skeptical. He doesn't. He's not buying any of this. He tells Locke, you know, they mention psychology in this film trip. And B.F. Skinner and uh, behavioral studies. So, um, so Jack says, you know, this is just a mind game. They're just, you know, they were just messing with you. And I bet you when that timer runs out, absolutely nothing happens. So Kate has been uh, dispatched to try and find Saeed because they figure he's the one who's going to be able to fix the computer. Desmond attempts to fix the computer on his own but in doing so he inadvertently shuts off the power and he knows okay this this is a really bad situation so he flees he basically tells the two of them okay i'm out of here jack goes after him to try and convince him to come back and and at least help them figure out what to do right Locke is left briefly alone and uh, he has a crisis a panic he's just you know totally he feels totally abandoned. He really wonders what he's supposed to do. He feels that what's going on wasn't supposed to happen because, you know, he had faith that something good was to happen, and clearly things have gone down the tubes. But fortunately, uh, Kate does retrieve Saeed, and uh, Hurley comes as well. So Saeed and Hurley show up, and they're like, what is this place? What's going on? But uh, at least uh, Saeed very quickly realizes that he just needs to do the task at hand. He doesn't need to know just yet what's going on, and he sets about to fixing the computer. Meanwhile, Kate attempts to find the breaker box. You know, she follows some lines, and she does eventually find it. She flips on the power. Saeed is then able to boot up the computer by himself. Um, Hurley finds the food, the food cache. Of course, it would be him. Right, it would be Hurley. Jack has gone after Desmond um, and Desmond realizes where he's seen Jack before. He tells him, Hey, I, I remember now I saw you on the stadium stairs. You were running and what happened to the girl? You know, you were telling me about the girl that you thought you were going to fail. What happened to her? Jack says, well, I married her. And, and he has this really pained look on his face and Desmond immediately surmises. And I guess you're not married to her anymore. Right. He's um, Jack is very emotional and obviously something has happened to Mrs. Jack. But that's, you know, something we're going to have to wait for another time to find out. Desmond tells him, look, if you manage to fix the computer, here are the numbers that you need to plug in. And he, and he gives him the numbers. So Jack heads back to the hatch. They've gotten the computer up and running and Locke is actually typing in the numbers but he that makes Hurley panic because of course it's the numbers once again and he's trying to get them to stop but Locke gets the last number wrong and Hurley calms down but uh, Jack goes ahead and gives him that last number 42 right he you know he tells him it's it's the number 42 and Locke is about to hit execute but he really wants Jack 
to do it. He wants Jack to believe that something is going to happen if this isn't if this number is not entered into the computer. And and so, you know, we have a back and forth with Jack and Locke. Press the timer's it. counting down, the alarm starts to buzz, the tension gets gets greater. And you know, it's it's about two seconds until whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. And Jack finally presses the button. You know, he's convinced that nothing is going to happen, but yet he presses the button. Right, because is he really convinced? He goes ahead and pushes the button. So on one hand, whatever was going to happen is stopped from happening, but now we don't know what they stopped. Um, Locke sits down and says, "I well, I guess I'll take the first shift. And uh, pretty much that's the end of the episode. But you're right, there was a lot to process. There sure was. So uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, let's uh, just sort of analyze and see what we can pick out of this episode. So, golly, what uh, what kind of things jumped out of you in orientation? There, there were lots of things. You know, they, they said the biggest group of answers that will be provided will be provided in in this episode and they were right you know there was just a lot but um the two things i noticed there were a couple of books laying around in different places in the hatch um there's the turn of the screw by henry james right the uh the orientation video was hidden behind that book and it was specifically mentioned Right. And we also have The Third Policeman. Um, I, I don't really know a whole lot about either of these titles, but I imagine they figure into the plot somewhat. Oh, they absolutely must. And I have a strange feeling that uh, folks are going to be checking these books out all over the all over the country now. One thing that struck me was the scene where Jin and Michael and Sawyer were, were in the hole with, with Ana Lucia and Ana Lucia is explaining who she is. She said she asked them, "Were you on flight A15?" And the way that Jin looks at Ana Lucia, like he understands what she's saying, makes me think, "Well, he, you know, he under, you know, he can he can he understand English. He and knows." That was a good pickup because, uh, of course, the preview for next week's episode ends with the shocker, which is a very brief one-second clip of Jin speaking perfect, non-accented English, saying. Everything is going to change. I just about fell out of my seat. So that was a good catch. And, of course, it was sort of the way that um, Kate realized that Sun could could understand English because she smirked at her at her joke. Right. So, you know, this is kind of it's kind of troubling, you know, wondering all the what kind of things Jin has picked up and what kind of things Jin knows. I also noticed a picture in in the hatch of Desmond and what looks to be a girlfriend. Right. Actually, Jack stops specifically to take a good look at it. And, you know, just for us here in Hawaii, it was fun because um, the picture is of Desmond and a girl. And in the background, you see the Yacht Harbor here in Honolulu and the uh, the Prince Hotel in the background. So the biggest chunk of, of clues and information is found in the film strip that um, Jack and Locke watch. Right, the orientation film. I mean, talk about just laying it all out there, a, a solid nugget of information about why the hatch is there and what's going on on the island. I mean, and what were some of the things in that uh, that, that that training film? Well, the swan, you know, the swan that appears in the middle of the logo is actually a designation. You know, you, you hear the person on the film strip saying, this is module number three of six. The swan. The so swan. There are other animals probably, and I guess there's a shark in there somewhere. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, so the, the swan is some kind of a, des a designation. 
So there's talk about scientists and experiments, and uh, there's a mention of zoology, and of course we see a brief flash of polar bears. Right, right. It seems completely incongruous. You don't know exactly what the polar bears have to do with anything, but they're there. Now the video says a couple of interesting things. One, it doesn't say what happens if you don't punch in the code. I thought that was a specific uh, omission, although we do pick up that the whole the whole gimmick of this old film strip is that it's clearly beat up. It's uh, been cut up several times and there are obviously chunks missing. So um, that's an element. And the other thing was that this hatch was originally for the study of an electromagnetic variety. And uh, Desmond does mention the magnetic wall that makes his feelings hurt. The one that pulled the key away from Jack's shirt. Um, but after an incident, un, you know, unexplained, um, that's where this new procedure is taking place with the countdown and the numbers. And there's another door in the hatch. Right. I mean, you had to wonder when you first saw everything in the hatch with the washing machines and everything that that certainly didn't come down the hatch. So uh, that chamber underground, there was a big door that Kate was able to exit out of. And one thing I noticed when Kate opened that door, you know, she turns the squeaky wheel, opens it, this heavy metal door, and then slams it shut. It is exactly the sound effect we hear when she's being lowered into the hatch for the first time and uh, the light comes on and then disappears again and that's when she panics. It's the exact same sound. So I thought that was a that was a nice touch. Also, I'm thinking there might be some significance um, to the, the name of the guy that was in the hatch before Desmond. His, his name was Kelvin. And Kelvin, of course, is... Um, it's a unit of measurement of temperature. I'm wondering if, you know, that's that's significant. Right. With all of the significance that's being placed on names, you know, John Locke, the philosopher Locke, and uh, Rousseau as well, that uh, that's certainly not uh, that's certainly not accidental. Speaking of names, there was also the uh, invocation of B.F. Skinner, the behavioral scientist who messed around with rats, so I'm sure that's significant. But uh, in the video, there was... Uh, Another name, the the founder or the funder, the person who funded all of the scientific research, and his name was uh, Alvar or Alvo Hanso, and uh, even the credits say something like the Hanso Foundation. Now, uh, I don't suppose you went out looking for information on the Hanso Foundation? No, I didn't. Well, if you type into a web browser, the org, guess what? There's a website out there already. Really? Yeah, and uh, you click around, and it has a brief... Uh, biography of this Hanso fellow. It talks about uh, his um, investments and uh, work in the Second World War and uh, munitions and stuff like that. And then he goes on to working with high technology and NATO and uh, basically then investing in all kinds of science. And um, really, if you explore this site, uh, there's there's a list of, of uh, initiatives that the Hanso Foundation is funding, the Life Extension Project, the Electromagnetic Research Initiative, the Quest for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. I mean, I'm not sure if this stuff is, again, being put out just to mess with us, but that's a, that's a lot of stuff there. That's that's pretty cool. I mean, it, it shows if if it is in fact fake, it shows like a a real attention to detail. That's that's kind of really fun to see. Yeah. So if you want to check it out, that it was an interesting find. The Hanso Foundation dot org. Uh, but you know, that's enough about what we think. Uh, what do you think? Let's turn uh, the transmission over to you all, everybody. <laughs> We'll start with this audio comment from The Lost Line. Hello, uh, my name is Jonathan. Uh, I hope I'm calling the Transmission Lost podcast. Um, I have a uh, connection for you and an observation that you didn't cover. 
yet. Um, this goes back to this uh, season finale of season one and the series, the season premiere of season two. Um, if you have the DVDs, go back and listen to the music and the sound of when um, Locke is being pulled by the monster into the hole. And then if you still have the first episode of season two, listen to the music and the sound of when uh, Kate is being pulled into the hatch. It is the same music and it's the same sounds. I don't know if they're related, but they do, they're pretty careful on that show and they don't usually recycle music unless it has a meaning. And also, um, in the painting in the hatch that uh, was painted there, uh, if you see, um, if you look, there's waves painted in there and there's also fish that are uh, painted in the water. So that sort of uh, goes with the shark thing and that there's probably more than one shark out there. Anyway, just dropping a line. You said you needed feedback and stuff, so I thought, oh, what the heck. Anyway, I'll talk to you later. Hey, uh, thanks for your call there, Jonathan. Yeah, you know, that painting definitely seems to be the closest thing to an overall map of what's going on the island as a whole. You know, coupled with the, the orientation film, there's a lot to process. Um, since we saw that logo on the shark, you know, it's definitely more than just a natural presence offshore. And with we what we heard about zoology and animal studies now, there's definitely that element. Um, and good catch on the music and sound effects. You know, when Kate was pulled down into the hatch, I figured that it was just, uh, you know, Desmond grabbing her. But maybe it was a mechanical element. Maybe there it was the same uh, monster slash machine uh, that was uh, that grabbed Locke. Kara from Manitoba, Canada, writes that the computer beeping and the resetting of the countdown clock reminded her of stories about nuclear fallout shelters and the need of people in the shelters to enter a code to keep a transmission going that indicated that there were survivors. In this case, maybe the transmission Daniel modified and that Shannon translated in Season 1. Well, we did learn a lot about the countdown clock this week. Right. I'm not sure if it was indicating survivors. It was uh, more to, to avert some kind of event. And uh, I've read a lot of people comparing it to an Outer Limits episode, which was very, which was a very similar scenario. People had to keep uh, entering a code or hitting a button to keep a self-destruct mechanism from, from going into effect. Uh, Tim in Arkansas asked us uh, if we thought that the monster is a single thing or a lot of smaller things made to look like a single monster. Um, you know, and, and that's an interesting question. We were just watching the fourth DVD in the season one box set, um, the commentary uh, for the episode Hearts and Minds, which was a Boone Shannon episode. Uh, in the scene just before Shannon gets snapped up by the monster, we see, you know, this tree and grass and ground erupt into the air. And in the commentary, they were saying that that one scene is where they've given away the most as to what the monster might be. I mean, it certainly doesn't seem to be a single mass like a dinosaur or anything like that. So if you're curious about that, you might want to go back and take another look. Eric chimes in on the subject of the numbers, noting that geography nuts have used them as lo longitude and latitude and come up with a location in the South Pacific. Yes, with latitude 4.815 and longitude 162.342, it's a spot close to Hawaii, southwest of Hawaii, due west of the Philippines. But if you break it up a little differently, as latitude 4.8151 and longitude 6.2342, it's in Nigeria. And as you might remember, the plane that 
Locke and Boone stumble upon um, the drug smuggler's plane is from Nigeria. Um, they were dressed as Nigerian missionaries. So I would imagine that if you do different combinations of those numbers, you might get different locations, and I'll imagine they'd factor into the story at some point. Um, Robert uh, said that he liked episode two better than episode one, which is uh, which is an interesting uh, perspective. I wasn't really impressed with last week's episode, but all is forgiven this week, that's for sure. He also said that he likes our uh, funky transition music, and uh, thanks for that, Robert. You know, they're just uh, loop mixes that I made in GarageBand, and, you know, I just sort of wanted to have some that folks who skip around and fast forward can find where all the different parts of the show are but thanks for that someone wrote in to ask where we got the name dharma from in describing the logo that was on desmond's uniform all over the hatch and even on the shark at first you know it was kind of hard to see it was really blurry but now it's been kind of spelled out in really explicit detail um you know the, the whole concept right it was in the uh, training video and you know, um, the the Dharma, the word, and uh, with the, the symbol, the shape of the symbol, the octagonal shape, um, the Chinese bagua, I guess it's called, and the, the I Ching bars, the, the the patterns around it. You know, clearly there's a heap of, of Eastern philosophy referenced in that one symbol. So there's there's a lot more to, to, to learn about that. Um, and someone else asked if we noticed the law office last week where Michael confronted Walt's mother um, and that it was the same law office where Claire nearly gave up Aaron to an adoptive couple last season. We definitely we definitely noticed that. Um, and the folks at the fuselage, you know, posted the side by side photos and been theorizing about it. It seems to me that the creators of the show definitely wanted you to notice the similarities between the offices. But, you know, there were enough minor tweaks, you know, uh, different pictures and stuff in the background just to, to say that they're not the same location, whether it's a big clue or, you know, just an attempt to emphasize the broad theme and parallel themes of parents and kids. I don't know. Um, we do know that uh, both scenes were definitely filmed at the same location. It's uh, actually a judge's conference room in Iolani Hale, the Hawaii State Supreme Court building across from Iolani Palace. Also, we got a couple of nice comments from friends of ours. Greg and Austin. Hey, Greg. Tuned into the transmission, having only seen last week's episode. He's set his VCR now, though, so um, hopefully he'll give it a closer look. Hope this uh, last episode didn't disappoint and you'll tune in again. Also, Bert, a friend of mine here in Honolulu, uh, he does his own Pacific technology and uh, culture podcast called Rough Take. And uh, he notes uh, he was really curious about the shoes that we saw at the entrance of the hatch in episode one and that we saw that it was Locke's shoes in uh, episode two. He's really convinced that there's something more to it besides just taking them off to be more quiet. But uh, we'll see about that. Thanks, Bert, and thanks everybody who's called in and written in for sharing your thoughts. Uh, you guys are the most important part of the transmission. The show is great, but the conversations that it brings up are even better. So please speak up, join in. We want to hear from everybody. Please call the last line at 808-356-0127 or drop us an email to lost at hawaiiup.com. All right, that's it for what's come before. Now let's take a look at what lies ahead. We are now entering the forward cabin. This is where we stow our spoilers, production news, and any other information about loss that has yet to be revealed. Some of the stuff you might have seen on the internet or in the newspaper, but some of it might be new to you. If you don't want to know, this is where you want to stop the transmission. All 
All right. Well, you know, last week we mentioned the genetic mirror theory, which is uh, either a key to the whole series or a remarkable hoax on the part of the producers. Um, one of our listeners, Jimmy, said that he's a believer in the theory and uh, sees the island as a place of experimentation and creating artificial life. Certainly we saw hints of something like that in the orientation video. Um, he points out that uh, in the season finale from the first season, we saw sets of twins on the boat that came to kidnap Walt, and I think even the creators had pointed that out as well. Uh, well, since I mentioned that possible explanation, the genetic mirror theory, I figured that I should also mention the Montauk Project, M-O-N-T-A-U-K Project. Um, and there are also a lot of parallels to some of the major elements we're seeing in Lost for that theory. Um, the Montauk Project is said to sort of be the secret sequel to the Philadelphia Experiment. Um, and as conspiracy theories go, it's got, you know, it's got everything, mind control, monsters, aliens, time travel, uh, the works. It is a sprawling, uh, crazy story. But, you know, when you read it with Lost on your mind, you can't miss some of the parallels, uh, secret underground facilities, experimentation with magnetic fields, kidnapped children, mind control, schizophrenia, um, the ability to make objects appear just by thinking about them. Um, and yes, uh, there's also a Bigfoot-like uh, Yeti monster, so there's a lot of food for thought on that as well. And if you want to read up on it, the best place to start uh, learning about the Montauk Project is probably at, of course, the Wikipedia. So I'll have the link up in the show notes at hawaiiup.com slash lost. Speaking of grand theories, we got this call on the lost line. We stuck it here in the forward cabin rather than the feedback section because, well, this might be true. Hello, my name is Brian Anderson in Southern California. What we've heard over a conversation of some ABC people is that the island is a prison uh, concentration camp situation that was initially started with the genetics professors of the uh, World War II era from the uh, Nazi situation it has nothing to do with prisoning Jews or nothing like that, but has to do with genetics and changing of uh, things. So therefore, the shark being a genetic creature is correct, your statement there, and that no one leaves the island. There is no leaving the island. Uh, the security systems are genetic creatures that were made, and the others are the prisoners and guards of the island. That's as much as I can tell you from what I know, from what I overheard. Talk at you later. Bye. Well, Brian, thanks for those sharp ears of yours. You know, when I got your message a couple of days ago, I was like, oh, great, you know, World War Two and Nazis, I don't know about that, but... You know, now that we saw this uh, Hanso Foundation and its references to World War II munitions and stuff like that, there may be something to it. As far as what's coming up, next week's episode is titled Everybody Hates Hugo. Um, it's it's more than likely a Hurley flashback, um, and we'll probably see Mr. Cluck's Chicken Shack. But it seems like a lot of other things are going to surface in this episode. Rose um, comes back, and we meet her missing husband, Bernard, who some people might know as... Dr. Kaysen on ER. Randy, Locke's creep boss, is also on the guest list for next week. Even the flight attendant from the pilot is to, is to make an appearance. Yeah, and of course we're going to see if Jin or why Jin can speak English. 
Um, the following week after that, October 19th, brings the episode and found, as in lost and found. And uh, like the last episode with the clever title in translation, this one is also going to focus on Jin and Sun. And on October 26th, we'll see The Hunt, which is slated to be a Shannon flashback episode. The writer of the episode describes it as her origin story, and it might surprise a lot of people. Maybe we'll see Boone again. Maybe. Um, there was a report in the Honolulu Advertiser this week that uh, Ian Sommerhalder has been spotted around town, even working out at 24-Hour Fitness. Hmm, we go to a 24-Hour Fitness. I wonder which one he goes to. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, I'm sure a lot of his fans will be glad to see him again either way. And, uh, you know, that's about it for this episode of The Transmission. We'd like to send out uh, special thanks to all the Lost fans out there and to all the great Lost fan sites that are always full of Losty goodness. Um, just this week, I've added links to several of them on our uh, site. Uh, you can find thefuselage.com, um, lost-forum.com, lostlinks.net, and many more. So come on over. Remember, you are the most important part of the transmission. If you've got a comment, a question, need to vent, just call us at the Lost Line at 808-356-0127 or shoot us an email or audio file to lost at hawaiiup.com. For show notes, links, and more information on the transmission, visit our website at hawaiiup.com slash lost. Mahalo nui loa. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Aloha. Aloha. Aloha.